Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Church, so much. So imagine how much more God loves you. <laughs> so it's, it's just wonderful to be you guys are all so special, and uh, it's always a great opportunity to come and, and, and preach to you. Um, the, the neat thing about preaching is that it's kind of nerve-wracking. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've done a fair amount of it in my time, but it's always a nervous moment. And so there I am down on the pews, if you just want to know what it feels like before you preach. And many of you have maybe experienced this yourselves, and you're doing worship and part of you, at least at first, is thinking, I, I kind of wish I wasn't here this morning. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking about how am I going to you know, keep everything straight and, and, and communicate well. And there's so much you know, that, that rests on what feels like what rests on me, you know. So what happens is, though, I'm thinking that, and then we start worshiping. And then we start worshiping. And I think... And, and right before you preach, worship is sweeter than at any other time. And I don't know why that is. It's just a grace that God gives. But, and then I think I've had this thought distinctly. Every time I preached, I don't want to be anywhere else. But worshiping. Now, the problem is I would rather be worshiping than right here. <laughs> but in those moments of, of just sweet worship, that, that's how I feel. And I think that's a, a foretaste of heaven. That's a foretaste of what we're for. It's a foretaste of where we're going to be. And those moments of I would rather be nowhere else but, you know, you know right, right here, worshiping with the saints, with you guys, with you precious people. Um, the sermon that we're going to talk about this morning is kind of some of the Christmas story because it's Advent. Merry Christmas. And I wanted to ask the first question is what does favor look like? What does it mean to be favored? And it looks maybe a little different than, than maybe we expect, and that's kind of the main idea that we want to get across. There are signs of favor. There are signs of advent that I'll be discussing too. So that's another idea. So the idea of favor, and then the other idea of signs. And then a, a third idea has already been discussed, and this was not really all that well planned, and yet God made it happen, is the idea of Remembrance. So signs, favor, and remembrance. Those kind of three ideas, if they're kind of just rolling around randomly in your brain, we'll connect them, uh, hopefully, uh, through what we're looking at this morning. So the first question is about favor. Um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, is, is known as the most blessed of, of women, you know, highly favored one. You know, when the angel Gabriel approached her and told her this great news, she was quite surprised to begin with, of course. Uh, but the angel greeted her and said, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. And then he began to announce all the great things that would happen. You will be the mother of the Messiah, the son of David, the son of God, uh, son of the Most High. Uh, and then she had some questions about, well, how's that going to happen? <laughs> and then it even got more amazing. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And then the life that grows within you is going to be like the very first life God created, son of Adam. Right? Just straight out of 
plain old miracle, just brute strength miracle right from, from God the Father. So wonderful. Well, that's what favor looks like. That's what favor looks like. That's, and that's a pretty unique experience. Now, you know, there's a lot of things in the Bible that are not at all democratic. Lots of people get experiences that nobody else gets. <laughs> that's one. This is not something that happens to everybody, and that's part of the point. And there are a lot of things that are true in your life that are that way as well. And sometimes we ask God, why me? And other times we think, oh, why me? And that's the one that you've got to be really watchful of. <laughs> why me? You know, I get to be the one. Um, when, when Mary was given this favor, you know what it impressed upon her was humility. Why me? Why me? So that's, that's what favor looks like. That sense of, God, why? Why me? And then also you have to remember it. Here's our other point. Because when you're favored, it doesn't go away. But the circumstances may change that may cause you to forget what God has brought into your life. And that's where, you know, when we talked in the Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, that song that here I raise mine Ebenezer, you know, big pile of stones so you remember. That's why we do that. Um, so much of our life kind of is based on what we choose to remember. Um, some of what you remember is, is a series of, of landmarks that kind of map the territory of your consciousness, uh, who you are, who you feel yourself to be, where you come from. Those are all kind of based on what you choose to remember and what God imprints on you. And uh, I don't know if this is true of you, but sometimes I actually wake up in the middle of the night remembering the wrong things like the dumb thing I said. <laughs> you ever do that? Oh, my. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of looking around, seeing if anyone remembers something dumb I've said recently. And, and I, do, <laughs> I do see a few of those people. <laughs> so, um, you know, and then why do I remember that? As if that's me. Right? But remember those times of God's favor. Why me? The reason I say this is because all of those great things with favor on Mary, wow, if you can just imagine the majesty of an angel speaking to you, um, I've never experienced that. It's apparently one of the most frightening things ever, and I'm thinking also one of the most beautiful. Um, and then these, these astounding words come out of his mouth about what's going to happen, which just makes no earthly sense. It only makes heavenly sense. So she receives all of this, and she says, may it be to me as you have said. This is in, in Luke 2, 1 through 7. Uh, I might be kind of random as to which, which verses we put up on the board. This is familiar territory. You guys have heard the Christmas story before, right? So I think we'll be okay. All of those wonderful things are, are given to Mary, and this is what makes her favored. Then when it actually comes time to give birth, how favored do you think she felt? When it was actually time for Mary to give birth, how favored do you think she felt? Well, there were some good things about it. Caesar made a decree which caused her and Joseph to converge on Bethlehem. 
So actually, that, that settles the matter of the genealogy in the, in, the, in the city of David. But the problem is, is that even though that is the hometown of at least Joseph, there's no room for them even at an inn. So if you think about that, he goes to a hometown. Not, of his, not, only, not only does he not have a place among his own kin, even staying at an anonymous Airbnb, there's no room there either. So he's twice excluded, this little couple. How favored do you feel then? And then, of course, you know, they have to make a, a makeshift crib, and it's an animal's feeding trough. And, you know, those of you who have had children, it's a pretty stressful experience, even in a hospital or in a birthing room surrounded by professionals. <laughs> um, I was scared out of my mind. I think Annie was probably, in our case, you know, braver than I was. <laughs> um, at least for our first, you know. There were some tense moments there, and, and, and I just can't imagine doing that out somewhere alone, as they were. How favored did she feel then? And I think what's wonderful about something that happens often in, this, in these scriptures is the word ponder. The word ponder is what you do when God has favored you, and then you're in this weird circumstance that seems completely upside down and backwards from that, and then you try and jam those things together and hold them in your head, because later on, it might make sense. And I say might. <laughs> it might make sense. That's, that's kind of what it means to ponder, to think. And I want us to do a lot of that this morning, to ponder and to think, like, what, what does it mean to be favored? And then why me? And then you're in a situation where it's, why me? <laughs> Can you be favored in both, in both senses? Can you hold on to a memory that remembers what God has done and is doing still, even though things look upside down, backwards, and inside out? Well, Mary had to give birth to the Son of the Most High in the lowest of conditions. She was in a situation where she was not being treated like the most blessed of women. She was excluded from her own kin and then also just, you know, out there. You guys probably have in your households or have seen, you know, the, the little the manger scene. And it's nice, you know, it's really neat to have those little manger scenes. And often we kind of compress, we compress the story into... Uh, one little scene. So what you see is the manger scene and then the, 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 the wise men and then the shepherds and then the angels and they're all there together. What's interesting about that is during the birth, the angels didn't show up at the manger. They showed up for the shepherds kind of far away. Like, what is going on? Lord, why, why do you... <laughs> of all the people who need an angel visit, <laughs> shepherds? I don't know if you know this, but shepherds at the time kind of had a bad reputation. They were not the sweet shepherds, ah, sheep. They were kind of more like hooligans. In fact, uh, in, the, in the book of Exodus, Moses has to rescue um, these ladies who are taking care of their father's sheep because hooligans have come around and they're bullying them and stuff like that. It's like, no, we're going to drink from this well and you get out of here. And then so Moses shows up and he shoes them off and probably has to be relatively violent with them um, or at least, you know, forceful with them to beat them off. And, and then that's when, they, that's when um, uh, 
the, the daughters think about this Moses fellow. Hey, thanks a lot. Come meet my family. And then he ends up marrying them, and off, off that story goes. That, that's your, that, marries one of them, sorry. That's, that's, um, <laughs> so see, this is what I'm going to remember tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. So the, the, this is what these shepherds were like. They're not the most well-connected of people. And so the heavenly host is elsewhere. It's not at the manger. It's somewhere else with shepherds. That's what's so strange. So these shepherds, they get a message of universal significance from these angels. But they're just a handful of people. I want to pause for a moment and say that that is our situation as well. We have been given a message of universal significance, and we are but a handful of people. The angels don't tell the whole world the good news. They tell us and tell us to tell the good news. So if you thought yourself to be insufficiently qualified to give a message of universal, universal significance, you are not the first. These shepherds who had to tell the good news were the first extremely unqualified messengers that had to give that message. And they did. And now it's in our Gospel of Luke, and like trillions of people have heard the good news because of them. Isn't that cool? What does it feel like to be favored? Well, the shepherds now are in that category. They just heard this great news. They just heard that great news. And so... They said, let's go, let's go see this thing, which the angels have told us about. Um, this is where we're going to bring up the concept of, the, of, of sign, the sign, S-I-G-N. Um, the angels gave the shepherds a sign about what they would find that would identify who the Messiah that had just been announced by the angels is going to be. What is this sign? There's a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is quite typical, by the way. There's nothing unusual about that. And he's lying in a manger. Okay, what kind of sign is that? You think about that for a moment. I would think that the angel chorus is the sign, and a baby in a manger is just kind of a shabby circumstance. You see how upside down the sign is and how backwards it is? It's upside down in the sense that the sign is pointing to something that doesn't look like a sign. It looks like a nothing. It looks like a poor family who were kicked out of their, their kindred's home and didn't even have any room to have a baby. But that's the sign. It's, this particular sign is something that you would not recognize as a sign. It's no, it has no intrinsic look at me, look at me, look at me aspect to it. You have to hear from heaven that this is the Messiah, that this is the Son of the Most High, that this is the Son of God. Go look and see. And when you see, what you're looking at is more than what you see. That's the sign. Now, so that's, that's how it's upside down. How is it backwards? Well, a lot of times we think of the sign as something that's going to motivate faith. God, just give me a sign, right? That's what Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, thought. So just to back up a little bit, in Luke chapter 1, 
Zechariah is in the temple. He's uh, offering the prayers of Israel at the incense altar because the incense, of course, as it rises, it, that represents the prayers of, of God's people rising to him. He's in there doing that, and all of a sudden an angel shows up for him. And he's scared out of his wits, as you are when you meet an angel. And then the angel tells him all these wonderful things. But see, they're too old. He and his wife are too old to have a baby. But the angel says that's going to happen anyway. Hey, when has that happened before? It's happened before. And this is a priest of Israel because he knows the history of Israel pretty well. And yet he's having some trouble with this. And he says, um, angel? <laughs> Help me out here. I'm about ready to get out of the sanctuary and go and, 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 and speak to a throng of people, and I've just been talked to, to by an angel, and I need some proof to, to explain that to them. You know, I'm paraphrasing quite a bit. What he actually said was, by what will I know that this will be so? And what did the angel say? The angel said, in effect, dude, you've just talked to an angel. What more proof do you need? And that, I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what he said. He says, I am Gabriel. That's his words. An angel of the Lord who's been sent to you to give you this good news. And not only that, but I come from the, the high council of God. I'm one of the inner angels, not just the like, random ones that just, like, <laughs> you're right? <laughs> I'm like one of the ones that, I'm, not, I'm one of the main ones who gives these messages. I'm not just the one, you know, who, who prevents your donkey from going off a cliff while you're on it. This is just, you know, so this is, this is one of the things. What more proof do you need? Just give me a sign. So the shepherds, back to them, their sign is backwards. They get the angel, and all they have to do is listen to what he says, and after they follow through with what the angel says, that's when they get the sign. You see that the, the sign is not a condition of obedience and trust. The sign is the result of having obeyed what the angel said and went to go see the great thing that was there. So not only was the sign hard to recognize without it ha having been pointed out, because it's just kind of a thing, you know, just a baby in a manger, but it's also the end point rather than the beginning point of a journey. And I think this is really interesting about a lot of the things that we wonder about being favored. I think in my life, let's just put it this way, uh, when I get the sign that I'm favored, I'm like, yes, I'm done. That's all I want. And the Lord's saying, uh, no. What I've given you right now is just a little, a little notice about what I'm going to have you do next. And the favor stays with you. The, stay, the favor stays with me. But you're going to be walking into a situation that's not going to feel like favor. And so what you've got to do is remember this right now. But you don't just stay there. This is not the point. The point is not the angels. The point is go find Jesus. Where you least expect him, where he might not look like what you expect him to look like, but God is saying, here, 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 there's the sign. This is him. 
The favor that's on us, we just want to rest in that. Oh, this is so great. But a lot of times, that's just setting us up to remember for when the bleak moments, when we're like a beleaguered family who can't even find a place to stay late at night or whenever it was in some other town. That's what favor looks like. It's when God speaks to us and he calls us to remember and then leads us to the next experience, which is extremely important, but might not feel like favor unless we remember, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. God put his, his stamp upon me. I've got to remember that, even, especially, in fact, now, where things don't look like it. So, how do you remember One of the great things about Mary is that she ponders these things in her heart. I think verse 19 of chapter 2 is the the first of those. Hey, you can put that up if you happen to have it there, Andrew. If he doesn't have it, it's not his fault, it's mine. But it says that uh, Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart, chapter 2, verse 19. Um, You're familiar with that. What does the word pondering mean? Well, I've already explained it a little bit, but... There, there are three or four times when that happens. And basically, when something kind of incongruous happens, a miracle or a strange paradox or something like that, your brain begins to ponder it, which means you take fact A and fact B, and they don't really line up very well, but they seem to have a meaning. And so you start to kind of put them together, and you think about it, and you put it in your little mental index. And you... And when you ponder something, you don't have it all worked out. What you're doing is you're trying to index it. You're storing it. You're filing it in your brain because I'm going tr- to try and lay hold of this. I'm going to lodge this in my brain because later, this just might make sense. That's what pondering is. And Mary does it well throughout this passage. Pondering is a preparation for a future recognition. It's it's preparing for a future recognition. And so when God does amazing things in your life, the thing to do is ponder it, lodge it in your memory. And a lot of times it's quite complicated. Mary had been given this wonderful revelation by none other than an angel. And then she had a baby in a very shabby circumstance. Fact A... In fact, B. And then these shepherds roll in who had the angel's experience, and they tell all about that and say all these things about the child. And so she ponders all these incongruous things in her heart and treasures them and keeps them there and tries to hold on to them. Like, God is being really strange, <laughs> but it seems really significant. I need to hold on to this. That's what that is. That's what pondering is, and that's one of the things that we should, that we should definitely do. Um, so you uh, observe, you know, you store those events in your brain for the for those reasons. Now, I want to make sure that we do that for a number of reasons. But another thing to say about it is that you got to keep doing it, and that's the hard thing. You have to keep doing it. So. Now, have you lodged these things in your brain? Because I'm going to switch to a different story. Same part, same story. So keep what I've said so far in your brain. Ponder it. (laughs) The next story is when 
uh, it's in Luke uh, 2, verse 21 through 40. This is when uh, Jesus is taken to the temple as a baby to be dedicated. And there um, they meet Simeon and then Anna also. And it's, it's a really neat thing, and I wanted to point out how this, is, how this happens because this will teach us something important about how God speaks to us and reveals himself to his people. Um, Mary and Joseph were keeping an appointment with the law of Moses because at some point they, the law of Moses says, hey, take your firstborn and dedicate it to God and then make a little sacrifice. Um, and if you don't have much money, you can sacrifice a couple of doves. But if, you, if, you're, if you're more well off, then you also sacrifice a ram or, or something like that. Who's, who's going to guess you know, how well off Mary and Joseph were? They, all they brought were a couple of doves, a couple of pigeons maybe. Um, so, but they're there to keep that appointment, and so that's when they arrive at the temple. Meanwhile, the Holy Spirit had already been dealing with a man named Simeon. And the Holy Spirit had told him at some point earlier in his life that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And then, at about this time, the Holy Spirit said, Hey, Simeon, why don't you go to the temple? I got a little something for you. And so he does, and what do you know? He arrives at the very same time. Has that ever happened in your life? Where these, these strange convergences, and you just know they're of God. Like, why is it that, and this happens almost every Sunday because I'm in worship a lot, and so a lot of times we choose a song, and sometimes we've coordinated, but a lot of times we haven't. And then somehow God makes it so that it works out perfectly. That's what happened today. I didn't tell many people what my sermon was about. And then it just worked out perfectly. There are so many of those kinds of things. And, and that's not even one of the more significant ones. This is, this is a big one. So God does that a lot. In fact, Luke is uniquely gifted at, at showing that. And so what you have is two independently informed groups of people whom God brings together to confer about what God has told them. And then they realize, wow, God has told us the same thing only separately. And now we're together. And this is real. This is real. If that happens in your life, ponder it. Take note of it and do not forget it. Write a narrative. Write a story. Be like Luke. Write it down. This is so important because this is how God works. When he wants to certify what he's doing, he often does it in this way. And it often means that something quite important is happening. So God himself primed Simon, Simeon, sorry, ahead of time and then prompted him when it came time. Meanwhile, ordinary obedience to the law on the part of Mary and Joseph brought them separately to the same place. The result was a divinely appointed meeting, which is itself part of the revelation that they receive. And so what happened to happen there for that to happen is that Simeon, when he received the earlier revelation about him seeing the Messiah before his last day, he had to remember that, didn't he? For this whole thing to work out, he have had to have had that experience, remembered it, and brought it with him, however aged he was at this point. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, now, see, I've pondered this in my heart, I've remembered it, I've sealed it, and now I'm, I'm bringing it with me to, to share with this couple. Um, now, what happens? There they are in the temple, Simeon shows up, Anna to you a little bit uh, later. And then Simeon, taking the little boy into his arms, says, My eyes 
have seen God's salvation prepared for all peoples. My eyes have seen the salvation God prepared for all peoples. How would he have known that that's what he was looking at? It's a poor family who just sacrificed a couple of pigeons and they have a little squawking baby. You probably see thousands of those. But somehow, because of the Holy Spirit's prompting, both before and in those moments, what he remembered, all of those things, he now knows this is the one. He doesn't look like the one, but that doesn't matter. My eyes have seen the salvation that God has prepared for all peoples. It's the sign. It's the sign in something utterly normal, but it's not. It's such a wonderful thing. Now, I wanted to, to bring together some other things that are a sign in, the, in, the, in, these, in these passages of scriptures. The first of the signs was when Zechariah implicitly asked the angel for it when he said, by what will I know that this is so? Give me a sign. Except for, in that, Luke doesn't call that a sign. He just tells us what happened. The second one, the second sign is when Zechariah was given his muteness because of his disbelief. You know, because he asked for a sign, he didn't believe at that moment. It was temporary, so God's got it. He's going to be kind to him. But for a while, he couldn't speak. And so what did he do? He made signs to the people trying to convey what happened. So there's the third one. The third was a consequence of Zechariah's muteness. It's the signs, the gestures, and the pantomimes that Zechariah made to the crowd waiting outside the temple. And they, the crowd somehow managed to figure out that, hey, he saw a vision. I don't know what, you know, the look on his face and what he was trying to say, and maybe, he, you know, the angel looked like this, and, uh, you know. Uh, but ironically, they were able to understand the sign almost better than Zechariah himself did. And why is that? They expected it. Why are they there? They're at the temple to pray. They're there offering the prayers of the people of God in, at, the, at the time of incense, which happened early in the morning and in, in the afternoon at around three. That's why they're there. They're expecting to hear from God. And the guy who's there to tell them can't speak because he didn't believe. No, I, I want to be sure first, God. How much more certainty do you need? So when God favors you with a revelation, you've got to stand on that thing and say, this is it. You can't get timorous and timid and think, ah, I want just a little bit more before I can be sure. And then I'll tell people that I've had this crazy experience of like an angel. Okay, how crazy is it? It is the, the inner sanctuary of the temple. <laughs> I mean, if an angel's going to show up, certainly there is going to be one of the places. But no, I mean, you know, it's, he'd been silent for so long. You've, you've prayed for so long. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? I want a sign. A lot of times the sign's staring us right in the face. It's the blazing glory of an angel, and we still want more. Like, why? Why are we like that? I'm, like, I'm asking myself utterly and totally. So many of the favored moments of our lives, we kind of ignore because like, oh, that's really cool, but can I, can I get just a little bit more? Greedy for signs. Now listen, 
we are given signs. But the idea is to hold them. Have them. And then use them when you walk forward into the next thing God has for us. But man, we, God, we just, ah, just a little bit more. It's the sign request treadmill. God, I like that sign. May I have another? Ooh, I like that one too, but yeah, still not sure. How about one still? That can go on forever, can't it? Why did God give you the sign to begin with? So that you'd know that you were favored for some purpose, so that you would go ahead and do that purpose. It's time to get moving, Zachariah. Boy, that's hard to say, but it's really true. And this is the situation it was. And the, I, again, like I say, ironically, the people who were waiting for them, they expected some sign. And they saw that Zechariah had one, but they didn't know what it was because he couldn't tell them. Couldn't tell them. So that's the third sign. The fourth is Elizabeth's improbable pregnancy. She and Zechariah are too old, to, too old to have a, a child, but there they have one. And Elizabeth's interpretation of that, this is John the Baptist's mom, by the way, is, hey, God has taken away my reproach from among the people. That's how she read it, and she's correct. But there's so much more to that sign than she herself is able to read right then, but she hasn't heard the whole story yet because, well, her husband's kind of quiet. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to you? You know, you can't really say. So I mean, maybe he writes it down, I don't know. But, uh, you know, she, she doesn't have a lot of information to go on. So that's, her sign is a little bit limited at that point. Later on, it gets better. Um, the fifth is that same, the fifth sign is that same pregnancy. Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mom's pregnancy. Only this time it's given to Mary as a sign that God can do anything. After Mary asks, hey, how is this going to happen? And, and the angel explains all these great things, and then the angel says, also, your relative, Elizabeth, who was called barren, is actually six months pregnant. Why don't you go see her? I actually didn't add that last part. It was, part, it was implied. The angel told her, hey, if you want to go see a miracle to help you with yours, I've got just the destination for you. Why don't you go see your relative, Elizabeth? And so that pregnancy, John the Baptist's pregnancy, uh, Elizabeth um, was one of the signs that, that Mary was given. Nothing will be impossible with God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the key creeds, the key uh, uh, declarations of faith that underlies all the others. Say it with me. Nothing will be impossible with God. Now, God gets to choose what he's going to do, so it's not like you know, you know, all kinds of crazy, capricious things are happening. He has, a, he has a purpose and he has a plan, but once he's got his mind made up, there's nothing going to stand in the way in it. Amen. You could be you know, you know, in your early hundreds and you could still have a baby, as far as he's concerned. You could even not even have a husband and still have a baby. He can make that happen. He could do anything, and that's, that's what the lesson is. And um, what he wants from us is to take up that challenge and say, okay, Lord, let's see. That's what it means to be favored. And it's kind of a, a tricky thing sometimes to go ahead and walk out on that. There's two more signs. The sixth is when Mary goes to see Elizabeth and the baby jumps in Elizabeth's womb. And then Elizabeth goes off and, and says these great things about, oh, Mary, you're so blessed. You know, I, you're the mother of my Lord. You know, I, my, the, 
the, the Holy Spirit is already um, uh, on me, and, and she began to, to honor Mary. And uh, the interesting thing about that is that Elizabeth's earliest insight was about how the Lord had taken away her reproach from among the people. But once Mary comes to visit, everything that the Holy Spirit inspires Elizabeth to say is not about herself. It's about Mary. Most blessed of, among women. How honored. And now think about Mary's circumstance. There would probably be a lot of people who were looking at her life at that point thinking, ah, shotgun wedding, I see. But as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned, there's a lot else going on right now. And Elizabeth was able to see it, and she called it out in a word of prophecy, straight up. You were blessed. This is a wonderful thing. You are the mother of my Lord. I'm blessed that you came to visit me. So that's the other sign. And the seventh is when Zechariah recovered his powers of speech. This is when all his relatives and the neighbors said, hey, we're going to name the kid. You can't speak, so we're going to do it for you. Uh, we're going to name the kid after you, Zechariah Jr. Yes. And Elizabeth says, no. <laughs> no, we're going to name him John. And they're like, no, that's not a good idea because there was no one in the family named John and uh, you just pipe down, mom. You don't get to name your own kid. Like, what are they thinking? But yeah, some, for some reason, that's what they're thinking. And then, so, hey, let's give a tablet to Zachariah and have him write it down. Zachariah writes it down. His name is John. And then all of a sudden, he can speak and he begins to praise the Lord and everyone is amazed. And that's the other sign. And then they began to ask, what then will this child be? Because these great miracles are happening. Those are the signs that are all throughout that whole story. I've almost summarized the whole thing, haven't I? The only thing that Luke himself calls a sign in this entire group of uh, passages, from Luke 1 all the way through 2, is Jesus. The sign given to the shepherds, it's shabby birth with clothes, manger, and then Simeon, who says that Jesus will be the sign of contradiction, the sign spoken against, the sign that when we interpret it, it interprets us back. Because when we interpret the sign who is Jesus, our impression of Jesus reveals who we are. Our impression, it, he is, how we come to Jesus decides who falls and who rises. It is the one meeting that, that defines everything thereafter. And so he is the sign that interprets us more than us interpreting him. Now, at this time, hopefully you uh, were given something that looks like this, which is going to help us with communion. We're going to start to transition into that. If you haven't gotten one of those, um, raise your hand, and then they'll be passed out for you. But I have one more thing to, to bring up for us about Mary and her pondering, and it'll lead us into communion. We've been impressed with Mary that she's been doing most of the pondering. She's received this great favor. She's received the signs. But now in the very last episode of Luke 1 and 2, it's 10 or 12 years later. It's Passover. They've enjoyed their Passover, and now they're on their way home. And Jesus is not among the caravan of people traveling. 
And they get a day's journey away, and they realize, hey, uh, where's Jesus? He's 12 years old at the time. This is his bar mitzvah. He went to go and have his first uh, Passover. Where's Jesus? So they start looking for him. They look in the baggage. They look among the relatives. Uh, I don't know. They looked everywhere. Finally, they had to go all the way back to Jerusalem. They're not finding him. They look and they look and they look and they don't find him. Have you ever, who here has lost a child as a parent? Or as a babysitter? That might be even worse. I don't know. <laughs> right? Okay, there's the, that is one of the most desperate feelings in all of life. Am I right? Oh. Finally, they find Jesus in the temple. He's hanging out with the rabbis, asking questions, and they're all amazed because he's so smart. He knows all the questions, and he knows the answers, and it's, it's just amazing. And then Mary comes up to him and says, why have you done this to us? Why have you done this to us? We looked everywhere for you. What does Jesus say? It's a bit impertinent if you ask me. He says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about the things of my father? Some of your translations might say, I must be in my father's house. But the word house is not there. It's kind of implied, so they put it in there. But it's like, I, I, must, be, I must be about the, the vocation or the things of my father. Why are you looking for me? Did you not know? And that's, by the way, Father with a capital F. I think Mary was actually kind of forgetful of all the stuff that she'd been told. After 10 years of routine, going to Passover every year, they, she got it down. She had it down pat. She knew what to do. Everything was kind of normal. Everything was routine. After 10 years, is it possible to forget an amazing experience, even with an angel? Now, you don't forget it. It's never forgotten, but you just kind of leave it. It kind of sits isolated on an island in your personal biography. <laughs> and you don't connect it with your daily life. And it didn't, at that point, it didn't connect with, where is my son? You see how concretely God wants his revelations to affect us in our lives? It might be poetry. It might be angelic speech. But it's not just this highfalutin kind of, oh, wow. It's more like, I've lost my son. I wonder where he is. Oh, hmm. He's doing the things of the Father, God. That's where he is. So that was the first Passover. And then when we're going to experience communion, we're going to experience the last of Jesus' Passover. And when he passes out the bread, he breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. This is what it means to be blessed. Jesus gave his life for you so that your sins may be forgiven and that we would not be punished in the way that we should be. Forgiven. So the message of this is, why do we take this unleavened bread and put it in our mouth? and go through the kind of the ritual type action. So we don't forget what it means to be favored. So we remember, do this in remembrance of me. Never forget. So I invite you to, to join me with this and ponder it 
as you taste it and see that the Lord is good. This is what it feels like to be favored. At that same Passover, after the bread was served, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. A covenant is a pact. It is an agreement for all time, always to be remembered, often sealed in official documents that will put on file in God's heaven that will never be forgotten. Your names are written on a document in heaven, the book of life. This is the new covenant. And it was ratified and written with a signature in Jesus' own blood poured out for us. Don't forget, this is what it means to be blessed. Take and drink. Now, the last thing I'll say about this is that there's more than one way to remember. We don't want to remember only in terms of our mental processes. We want to remember with the way we live our lives. And that's kind of what I'm getting at with the story about Mary at the very end when she lost track of her son. She lost track not only of her son, in fact, she lost track of her son because she lost track of the truths about him in a way that had meaning in a very concrete way. Like, where is he right now? Where is he? That's a very concrete problem to solve, right? The same thing is true. When you are where you are and you're wondering if you're blessed, if you're wondering if God loves you, if you're wondering in the midst of a, of a difficult circumstance or on a, a very trying time or a confusing time that you don't know, remember what God has put on your life and act in the way that he's told you to act when he came and, and told you what was happening with an angel. <laughs> but do it even when it doesn't seem like it. When you're at someone else's Airbnb in some town in Bethlehem. That's, that's, that's what it means to remember. And so when you do this in remembrance of me, this is, what we, this is what we want. What I'd like us to do now is for all of us to stand the band is going to play. They're going to play without singing. It's going to be a silent time. This is for you to do one of two things. In the place that you are, remember, reflect back over those times in your life that God met you. Your baptism, the time you were first told the gospel, and you began to believe it. And the time that you shared that with somebody. Uh, the time that God rescued you from a terrible danger. The time that God had a plan for you and he told you about it. This is what I want you to do with your life. Don't know it. I'm not going to tell you everything it's going to look like, but this is what I want you to do. Remember those times and think about them as the music plays. And I'll invite now also the people who, uh, those of you who, who uh, are life group leaders and elders and other people who come forward to, to receive people from prayer. So one of the things that you do is, if you if you want to, come forward and pray with those people to help you remember and to help you also get back on track with what God wants you to remember, so you don't lose track of it and also what God has for you next. Maybe this is actually the day of your sign. 
the day when God says, I want you to hear the good news and trust me for salvation. Today is that day, and so I'll invite the people to come forward to receive people uh, who want to do that. Uh, if that's not true of you, stay in your, stay in your space maybe and then just pray and think about those times where God has come and shown you his great favor. He is for us.